everyone. This is Procedural Conversation and Uppercut Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Compendio, and today I'm here with Victoria Tran. She is the Communications Director for Kit Fox Games. They are working on games including Boyfriend Dungeon, Dwarf Fortress, Lucifer Within Us, and Mondo Museum. Hi, Victoria. How are you today? Hello. I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. Um, so can you kind of lay out kind of the path that led to you where you are at this point in your career? All right. So my backstory, which you have unlocked because we're tight, <laughs> is that uh, basically I grew up uh, with a very like traditional uh, immigrant parent upbringing. So games weren't ever a thing that I knew I could get into um, or was like a viable career choice, even though like logically people have had to make these things. I was like, ah, no, that's not a job that people have. Um, so never thought I could get into games, got a degree in sociology with like a double concentration in communications and the social studies of medicine because I was originally going to go into healthcare PR. Um, but during this time in university, I had like three different jobs that were all marketing related uh, just to pay the bills whatever. So I had a lot of marketing experience. So when I eventually had my classic post-grad breakdown about career choices, um, I started basically just Googling and emailing random people in industries that I really liked and that I had interest in. So one of that was games. Um, and someone who's really nice, uh, her name is Brie Code. She uh, worked on, she was a programmer at the time on Child of Light, and she basically emailed me back and encouraged me to apply for games. So I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it. Uh, yeah, so I applied, didn't think I would get a job, and then got into um, not the greatest uh, games outsourcing company, but did a little bit of that until eventually I saw that Kit Fox was hiring a community manager on Twitter, and then I applied, and now I'm here, and it's been wonderful. <laughs> Awesome. How would you kind of sum up uh, what Kitbox is all about in terms of like, if there are any like thematic things across all the games that Kitbox have worked on, I guess, at least since your time there? Yeah. So Kitbox has always kind of had an interest in, we call it just like intriguing worlds um, and stories and worlds that are a little bit weird and different. I mean, like most games have like, you know, weird, interesting worlds, but we're interested in more narrative-based games or just doing something uh, different or mechanically cool with our games. So for example, like Boyfriend Dungeon is a weird theme of mashing up a dating simulator and a dungeon crawler, while Lucifer Within Us has this new kind of timeline mechanic in order to solve mysteries and be a real detective, while uh, like Dwarf Fortress is just this vastly epic saga of game development. Um, right, so it's yeah. just, it's something that we, we just love weirdness, I guess, is the best way to describe it. <laughs> sure, uh, but sure. yeah. Uh, and, and in addition to uh, being the communications director for Kid Fox, I always see you a lot on Twitter. You always have these very useful threads on community management and um, I, I, I just think I, I personally just think you're a really excellent resource for all of that. Just kind of giving that uh, oh. behind the scenes look of uh, what what actually goes on <laughs> behind the scenes uh, <laughs> in the studios. And not to mention, uh, I'm I'm not just saying this because we were in a PAX East panel together, but you <laughs> you were very busy uh, this PAX East, and I assume uh, many cons prior <laughs> towards that convention. Uh, a, a panel queen, as I sometimes refer to you as. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so I guess expanding on those uh, those threads that you um, that you kind of drop on us every once in a while, I was hoping that this conversation can kind of talk about uh, the the importance of community management because I assume that most people who are kind of um, ingrained in the industry, like either as as either in the press or just as a gamer, are aware of community managers at studios like they they are probably the most um public and front-facing figures especially with social media being such an important component uh to these video game studios and their marketing so i just kind of want to poke at your brain a little bit and just see kind of what your day-to-day is like so i guess we can start start with that so anyone with the title or anyone like in the field of community management in a video game studio what would you say is their role in the game development process and from your personal experience how would you describe your your day-to-day um working with the rest of the studio right so there's a little bit of confusion over what a community manager does i think because it varies so drastically between if you're an indie studio or if you're in a triple a studio and even among like indie studios it varies a lot too because it really depends on the size of the community how many games you have how big your games are etc uh so but, but like in a general sense the community manager is the bridge between the developers and the players um how integrated they are or how much they do depends again on the kind of studio and how many other community managers there are but basically like it's our job to hear what the community has to say hear what the devs have to say and kind of explain that in the easiest way possible uh my role in particular is a little bit different so that's why my title isn't necessarily just community manager that's why it's communications director because um it kind of i kind of have to do most of the marketing pr community stuff because as a team of nine at kitbox um there's not we don't have i'm the one marketing person basically uh so basically i'll at any given point in time like i'm either uh emailing press um preparing a press release like kind of uh email or strategy doing any marketing work doing all the customer service and community management stuff doing the social media doing the email marketing um making plans and strategizing for different games uh basically a lot of things. So it's really hard to say what my day-to-day is like because also the thing with community management and marketing is that things will pop up randomly and you'll have to adapt. So for example, like this year was planning for a bunch of events. Now I'm not. Have to change gears, (laughs) have to shift and figure out what we can do with the online world basically. Um, So it's, it's really difficult to say exactly what happens but um if you ever try to talk to kit fox games you're probably talking to me is sort of how i would put it right um and i'm I'm not sure if you can um speak on behalf of any peers that you have or uh like because it sounds like it's a very versatile job depending on kind of the size and scope of whatever group or company you're working with i mean in a kind of large machine, um, how would you, you know, at, at, at the very least, like speculate how community managers kind of fit in that in like a larger machine that is like, say, like, I don't know, 
uh, a Call of Duty studio or something like that, or uh, a Blizzard or whatnot. Uh, and I'm sure they have a lot more <laughs> feedback they have to um, they have to kind of uh, uh, filter out. Yeah, that's that's difficult to say. Um, I've worked in a larger um, what did I say AAA. It was AAA, but it was mobile. Um, studio and I was the social media specialist there so it's a little bit different from a CUNY manager Um, but basically in those kinds of roles I would suspect that they have much more defined things that they have to do every day and also Mm. a huge number of players to respond to and to get back to and also um, things to strategize because usually there's also like forms like we just have the steam forms and you know, usually larger studios have their own internal forums that people post on. Mm. Um, and then there's all the bug reports, and oh my goodness, the bug reports! <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, so many. Uh, yeah, so it's. I think it's just it's based on the need and the balance. Uh, but from what I've seen, it's that a lot of community managers in a larger space will have very defined roles and set things that they need to do, um, while my role changes up quite a bit more uh and i work with i think different fields right because pr and marketing are very different from community management and social media right would you say the would you say that your colleagues at kid fox have to kind of display that kind of versatility being kind of a small team there oh definitely um the thing about indie studios is that you inevitably end up having to do something that you were not trained to do um for example (laughs) i've started getting into more video editing because well we need someone to do more video edits um and like an example of course is like our captain tanya short she does do like high level marketing stuff uh she does uh hr technically i guess she she is um the one who leads us all she does narrative design she does game design um one of our art directors, who's also a co-founder, also did uh, the finances for a bit. It's just, it's a whole thing where everyone's like, well, someone has wow. to do this, so I guess it's going to be me. <laughs> right, yeah. No, <laughs> whoever's just around, I guess. I mean, it sounds like you have to wear a lot of different hats on any given part of the day. For sure. <laughs> uh, well, let's kind of shift to the actual community part of community management. So... Let's talk about actual platforms where you have to engage with them. So I, if I'm not mistaken, um, Kid Fox does have a Discord and, you know, you do have a Twitter presence and, you know, everyone's all about Reddit and Facebook and Instagram and whatever. So um, talk to me about what Kid Fox does uh, with those platforms, how they utilize them and... Like, would you actually describe that as like a a community that you know interacts with each other on like a daily basis? I mean, so okay, so here here's the thing. So with <laughs> because I'm the one social media person, I can't actually keep up all the platforms that I probably should be keeping up as like a studio uh-huh. or whatever. Uh, so we're not really active on Reddit. Um, I'm not fond of Facebook at all. I've talked. <laughs> I have many thoughts about Facebook, and that is a completely different uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've recently started a TikTok because we're in that phase of my <laughs> life right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but our main ones are like if we're talking social media is discord and twitter for sure uh mm-hmm. and a bit of instagram but yeah so i would say the discord is definitely a place where people interact with uh each other on the daily uh people interact with us on twitter on the daily we have a fairly large twitter presence which i'm very grateful for um mm-hmm. and the thing is it's like i i love these social media channels a lot they're not actually great let's say in terms of conversion rates which is something that you know every i guess social media person wants to think about because like you know like how many people are actually like clicking the link and buying your game when they see a tweet usually it's not that big Uh, but i see social media as something uh different than that it's more like a relationship builder it's more especially with indie devs like it's a way to interact with us and get to know us and have us be more than just this like soulless brand trademark sign copyright whatever ink (laughs) um (laughs) but also it's like and i think this is this is sort of like the it goes into my idealistic uh ethical (laughs) i guess thing of it is that i really i'm really interested and maybe this also again from my sociology background i'm really interested in the ways people talk online and the ways that people connect online um and i really want to see more thought put into the ethical use of social media and kind of the ways that we get attention from people because i think our role allows us it's basically, you know, to get as much attention as possible. Um, but right. I kind of want to like explore a better way to do that. That isn't just like, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but like, you know, just outrage or really dumb stuff. <laughs> and I say this and I know Kit Fox will like, I, I will tweet out like some, sh- I shit post, but, <laughs> but especially like during a time like this, um, when uh, there's, you know, a global pandemic sorry to mention it whatever um it's what can we do during a time like that um and what is kind of the value system we should bring into social media because people are on it so much that's my kind right. of like weird ideal rat thing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i'm kind of curious when when you um when we're talking about say like discord communities and twitter followings do you feel mm-hmm. that the people who engage with with you and and the studio and the games and the brand overall, does that kind of do you think that is an important part of the image of Kit Fox as a whole? Oh, for sure. Um, I think so much of Kit Fox is uh, Kit Fox has like a voice. I would say um, largely generated at this point by me, but started off by Tanya when you know obviously like they created the studio. Um, but I think that a huge part of the reason we've been quite successful and we're very blessed about it is that we have such a supportive community who have been with us since like we launched our first game or who uh, have helped spread the word about our games because especially again as an indie studio you don't have the advertising money that a triple a studio has so you have to find it somewhere else Um, and that's usually with people who believe in your game but also honestly like the values of your studio right uh tanya has always been a big uh supporter i guess of not crunching uh and basically like growing the studio slowly and growing our skill sets and treating us like people um 
So I think right. that's been a huge part of why everyone's been very supportive and also I hope because we make good games. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think um I've never been on the other end of it, but I feel like a good sign that uh you're you're kind of connecting is when people are making fan art <laughs> of your Yeah. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah. I it always like like my heart like melts every time I see fan art. I'm like, "Oh my god, it's so beautiful." <laughs> Yeah, people making their own source sonas or what have you. Like, that, that's oh a, yeah, beautiful <laughs> thing. I think. Let's see. That's the wholesome part, but the nitty gritty part, I guess, would be actual. Uh, let's say feedback or comments. Uh, people people think they can say whatever they want to on the internet. Believe it or not. Uh, no. They'll, they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll get in your Twitter mentions. They'll find your email address. They'll go that far. Um, and I'm not just talking about like bad faith actors. We'll, we'll get to that in a bit, but just in general, like, um, you know, you may have just like constructive comments. Um, how do you? I, I'm assuming it's easier since you're in any studio and not like a like a Call of Duty, Overwatch, League of Legends, whatever the heck. Um, so I I would ha I would hope that the volume <laughs> is not as intense, <laughs> but. Um, what kind of comments and suggestions and criticisms criticisms do you uh, usually receive? And do you do you filter that to go back to the the rest of the studio? Uh, what do you what do you do with that? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah. So the thing about being the bridge, let's say, between developers and players is that obviously you're reading all the feedback, you're reading the criticisms and the praise, etc. Um, and I think you can break down criticisms into kind of two different paths. One is like the legitimate, like they've worded it as criticism. They're like, I'm disappointed in this. Or um, I think like, what if this happened? Like there's those kinds of things. And those are easy to see. You're like, oh, okay. Um, if you, so I'm trying, I'm trying to think of an example, but basically uh, there's like two kinds of criticisms. One is like kind of shrouded in emotion and hate and sadness and disappointment. Um, and usually I will read those. Uh, and I mean, I read all the comments, but when I read ones that are particularly emotional, um, I will strip down all the emotion away from it, try to get at the core of the problem and send that part mm. to the developers, like reword it myself and be like, player is disappointed in this, this, and this. Is this something that's like that we can actually fix? Is this valid? Like, or is there an explanation I can give to them? And then there's like the actual criticism where people are like, oh, this is like constructive. I get it. I'll send that just directly to the developer, let's say. Um, and basically it's like it's all about knowing how to break down kind of the core comments about it. Uh, there will be very angry people, very disappointed people. Um, and sometimes the best thing to do is actually sometimes not respond to them at all because you also, as a community manager, have to teach people how to talk to you respectfully, right? Like huh. if someone's telling us to go die because this game has a bug, I'm not going to respond. To, I'm not going to give them the attention for that. Um, right. But over time, like if you see like in the forums, let's say like, oh, like I'm actually responding to this person because they've worded it like this and it was quite respectful then they start shifting their tone because okay so then now it looks like i'm actually reading the ones and responding to the ones that deserve it let's say uh while the more angry ones it's like no either you're gonna get blocked or i'm just gonna ignore it even though i've read it right right 
Um, I'm, I'm curious when you kind of deliver those comments, whether they're uh, we reworded or verbatim is it, uh, and this is just, this is more of a practical question, but is it like a, like a, is it like compiled in like a single deliverable, like, like given to everyone at the end of the day, do you just kind of like, or you just, do you just kind of like throw those comments at the rest of the team, like whenever you receive them, I, I suppose that again, more of a practical question, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it depends. So when it's like, so let's say like our game Moon Hunters has been out for three years now, four years. I don't remember. Uh, and we'll like occasionally get like a trickle in of like a bug report or like feedback. So then I'll just send those as I get them. If I think like, you know, it's something that you need to know about or I can't fix myself. Um, but if like a game just releases, then usually I'll be constantly monitoring it and giving developers feedback based on what I think I see in frequency or what I think is like the biggest bug. Like, you know, maybe only five out of I don't know, 32 people, <laughs> I don't know, five out of 32 <laughs> people uh, have their game completely crash and all their save data is erased. Like that's a huge bug versus like maybe like, I don't know, like 80% of the player base, like, oh no, like the text is kind of garbled here. Like that's not as, impor as important as something as big as like your entire save file sure. uh, crashing. Um, so usually it's like either, it's usually by frequent, uh, by how massive, the, how bad the bug is and then by frequency. Um, and that's usually what happens when a game just launches or when we're relatively, when we've just relatively like launched it. Uh, but as time goes on and you know things trickle down then i don't need a i'm not going to wait to compile something <laughs> right right um well but then you have um you know in it as, as well as the people who are saying there's a bug go die um there are people who just kind of approach certain games like just from a thematic and like a, a conceptual standpoint just in bad faith so yeah let's say let's say boyfriend dungeon for example <laughs> A lot of <laughs> boyfriend uh, dungeon getting hate. I've never uh, heard of that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, this is this is a game that uh you know features gender inclusivity uh, amongst a lot of other uh other elements and themes. So uh, uh <laughs> I, I feel like you kind of you partially answered this already, but just the with the ignoring or blocking, but is there anything anything more you can speak to uh, when the comments and Twitter replies and what have you are framed in that specific way? Yeah. Uh, gosh. Gosh. Um, it, <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie. Like, even though half of the time, okay, actually 99% of the time, Actually, all the time, those hate comments <laughs> are kind of like dumb, um, and I don't agree with them, you know, etc. They still like make me angry sometimes. Sometimes, um, mm -hmm. it depends on my mood, truly. Uh, but those comments I can generally uh, brush off because I know that they're not a part of the community, or it's something that's just like very reactionary. Uh, usually, I do if I think that there's someone that can be reasoned with, I'll try to talk to them about it. Um, but most of the time, especially when it comes to Boyfriend Dungeon, people just come in in order to troll and in order to 
harass us. So when that happens, yeah, it's just, it's a block. It's not going to be worth my time because they don't want to have their minds changed. And also it's not like, let's say a Twitter conversation is going to change anyone's mind. No one's really, it's very hard when you have very limited characters and also you're talking to a complete stranger to convince them of something. Um, So there's that, but other times and things like discord actually like when we've had someone maybe a little bit angry um and i've managed to dm them and talk to them about why some things are this way or link them to some resources it's actually worked out quite well uh but that being said it's i don't it's when i'm in the correct mind space for it for sure Mm -hmm. yeah it it certainly sounds like it's easier in a in a sort of discord setting because they are a member of your community. You know, there's there's less uh, like you can't really be as anonymous uh, in that mm-hmm. space, I guess. So I, I'm curious if like your recommendation um, to anyone in similar positions as you, like, would you would you recommend to not engage with those actors? Because I have seen some cases. I don't know if you saw. Uh, I think this was a couple weeks ago um, at the time of this recording, but uh, the game validate. Did you see that? Um, There was this little bit where someone was saying, um, someone was like asking for like more, I think, I think Irish representation or something like that. Um, You know, basically, why aren't there enough white people in this dating game? And whoever runs the Twitter account of this game, uh, again called Validate, made like a very uh, sarcastic post. You know what? I might as well, since we're in Discord, I'll just send it to you right now. (laughs) But. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a very curious case to me because I think uh, that that Ooh. put that game on the map. Uh, oh wow! Universe circles and uh, you know a lot of retweets, a lot of likes, and um, but at the same, like on the downside, you can say that that is kind of amplifying bad faith comments from people with like I don't know, like two followers and like just just replying to everything, just giving shitty replies to everyone. So. Uh, I'm wondering if there's a balance, if there's like a, if you feel like based on either your experience or just your general intuition, um, if there is ever like a need to choose your battles carefully or to just disengage entirely. (laughs) I think it's, that's, that's so hard. That's so hard because it's one of those things where I get it. Like it, when you get, when you just decide to be snarky and reply, it feels so good. It feels amazing, and I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> um, but like, I think it, it depends on like your personal values and everything. Um, but on, for me, I try to not be. I guess I try not to. Oh god, it's it's so difficult. It's so difficult because I I've been snarky before too, so I can't right, say I'm like right. I'm completely. Um, in line with whatever I'm saying right now. But in my mind, it's it's one of the things where I I think as a community manager, you're kind of you have to be above whatever terrible thing is happening. Um, because I see it as like if I start, let's say, dragging someone in our Discord, then suddenly like all our Discord members can see, oh, it's totally okay if I get to drag someone, right? It's what it's like one of those things where um I don't I don't necessarily know everyone I don't know what everyone's like backstory is. And even though that's 
kind of weird. It's like, have you seen the Twitter account um for ex- for exposure or something? I have not. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a Twitter account that um always talks uh basically post screenshots of people trying to get free art from artists, let's say, and it's like, oh, it's for exposure, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but they'll right. never actually name who like they'll never actually show like the twitter account that like has said that or whatever um because they don't want to like quotation mark name and shame because from that like they've seen a lot of people who would who randomly will dogpile onto someone and be like oh like let's it basically it turns like this entire like um anonymous like group of people into a hate mob to this other person. And I'm sure like, and I don't know, like obviously there's some things that people will say that are really frustrating and you hate them, but it's, it's one of those things where I've never, I've never really been comfortable knowing that I have a certain amount of influence into turning a group of people into a hate mob, I guess. Right. You're, you're setting an example for people. Exactly. And it, it feels wrong it feels wrong as a corporation, let's say, like a studio that has, let's say, like 20,000 followers to be like, hey, look at this person who has like 10 followers and tweeted something stupid. Let's hate this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. And it feels wrong. And again, it's like a, this is like a whole moral debate that can happen. Um, and it will take way longer than an hour, let's say. But yeah, I don't know. It's... It's weird. It's something that I would prefer to disengage with or basically twist it so that it becomes this like feel good kind thing, I guess. Um like for example, in for Boyfriend Dungeon, we got this one person tweeting at us who was like, "Oh, the developers of this like they made this game because they can't get boyfriends because they just love anime characters too much and whatever. And there's more swear words in there, whatever. Uh, and I just responded as Kit Fox being like, you're so right, though. I am so <laughs> lonely. <laughs> because, I mean, like, I was like, you know, I kind of have a point. I'm single. Right. Lonely. And I do love 2D anime characters. So uh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Please buy our Interesting game. Interesting way to turn it around on them. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah like, basically, <laughs> it's like I'm not. I mean, I'm. Am I? Am I ashamed of being thirsty for anime characters? No, <laughs> whatever. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, like if they're actively like going after someone and and like let's say in our Discord and like DMing them and sending them hate, then I have no tolerance for that, and they are out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So. Yeah. Because again, you're you're a you're a public figure, you know, you, you are, you are, it's part of your responsibility to maintain the image. And, um, you know, I, I can't speak for whoever did that tweet we were referring to the validate tweet, but, um, you know, perhaps they were kind of all in that mood, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, <laughs> what a response. Yeah. What it, a it, response. <laughs> it, it worked in some ways. Like I know about their game now <laughs> to <their> credit, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, that, that, that does sound like a healthy route to go. Um, mm-hmm. uh, although with a little bit of disclaimer, like do as I say, not as I do, it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> it's tempting sometimes, but you know, I think it's one of those things where 
in the end, we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully they're not terrible mistakes, Uh, but it's something that I think is an evolving conversation to have. Mm -hmm. So moving on from bad faith actors, uh, let's talk about the press, which uh, that's kind of how uh, we became uh, acquainted with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's true. Yes. Yeah. A little backstory. I, I was an intern for, for Pace magazine, um, shout outs to everyone at Pace Magazine. It's been a tough time during uh, this crisis, but uh, I had written a new story. I I don't know if it was like when Boyfriend Dungeon was announced, or I don't recall. It was like twenty seventeen, yeah, something. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I'm assuming you just kind of like scour the web for like news alerts and whatnot because you found me somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So one of the things when you work in PR is you have to keep your press list updated. People move around, people stop writing, people start working for game development studios. Anything can happen. Um, But also, I also always like to make an effort to read every single article that comes out because I want to know, one, this person's writing style, and two, like, are they cool? Like, not to say, like, they have to give us a glowing (laughs) review, but just like, oh, like, they're not a terrible person. Cool. Got that. Um, So yeah, so the way I found you, Chris, was that, yeah, I think you wrote a Boyfriend Dungeon article way back. um, And I think I had clicked on your author bio or something, and I saw you hadn't written something in a while for Pace. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe they don't work there anymore. So Mm -hmm. looked up your name and Twitter, because usually people, journalists will up have a Twitter account and usually will update the Twitter. So I clicked that and I think it said you were working at Dual Shockers at the time. So I was yep. like, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, okay. Went to Dual Shockers, found out your author thing. I think you had your email in there, which is why it is so important to have your email and your Twitter bio or like your mm-hmm. author bio in your news, whatever, but so I can email you things. <laughs> and basically, uh, yeah, basically I, I internet stalked you until I found a way to contact you. Perfect. Yeah, in, in a professional manner, obviously. Yes, there. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Yes. Uh, right. So then, how? Um, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm so curious about um, when you said like, are they? <laughs> I mean, informally, you're like, are they cool or not? But like, um, <laughs> I, I guess what you meant was like, do they do they get what's happening? <laughs> like, do they understand what this game's like, what this game's thing is? Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, I'm so curious uh, what it's like from your perspective, um, looking at all these different outlets and all of these different articles and authors and perspectives and how they all kind of view, like, you know, let's just keep using Boyfriend Dungeon as an example here, mm-hmm. but, you know, how they all interpret that and you can kind of put together who, they, like, what they're like as a person and what they're interested in <laughs> uh, based on that. So how do you, how do you kind of navigate that? Like when you're sending out um, emails to the press, you know, how do you how do you approach like each individual person, or is there is there are there some cases where it's just kind of like a, you know, just a mass <laughs> email list, like you just hit a button and it goes to like a hundred people or something? Yeah. So I know a lot of people who have mass email lists, and I think. Kit Fox's press email list is actually quite small compared to a lot of studios. Uh, but that's because I try to personalize every single email. Um, maybe not. It depends uh, based on how I think important the press release is, honestly, sometimes. <laughs> but I do try to 
personalize it and get to know the press person that I'm talking to. Um, so for example, it's like personalizing, like, you know, the beginning of the email, sending them news about games I think they're interested in. Like, I think there's certain people who are interested in Boyfriend Dungeon and then certain people who are interested in Lucifer Within Us. And maybe there's not necessarily an overlap between them. So I might not email everyone on our press list about all our games uh, unless they've expressed interest or I've seen them play games that have a similar vibe or a similar mechanic, things like that. And yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you read through an article, you can generally sense what this person likes, what this person doesn't like. And also it's useful for even when they don't like your game. And I think it's totally valid for someone to not like our game and review it or talk about it or think it's kind of silly, right? Like that's totally fine. Um, for example, when we launched the Shrouded Isle, um, there was someone who wrote about the Shrouded Isle who was like, uh, this game's okay, it's kind of shallow in mechanics though. And then when we had a DLC, I emailed them back being like, hey, I know you don't, you didn't really like our game, totally fine, <laughs> but mm -hmm. the DLC fixes some of those, like the mechanics that you thought were shallow. So if you want to try it again, feel free. Um, if you don't, whatever, right? It's like, it's one of those things where knowing what someone, what someone's likes and dislikes and honestly like talking to them as a person and not just this like news creation machine, <laughs> I think mm -hmm. is very beneficial, um, which is why I'm not a huge fan of things that just mass email people because I feel like it's not creating a relationship. And the best part of my job is that I get to form a lot of cool relationships with people and things like that. Mm -hmm. The way I can always tell is if um do they begin the email by saying hi Chris or hi Christopher? Ooh. Yeah, it's usually I, I mean I'll like put in Christopher as my full name if I'm like signing up for an email list, but uh if they say hey Chris or what up Chris or someone's like yeah, yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the more or the more I get to know this person, the less formal my emails become. I become like, yo, stop. <laughs> Watch I, I this. Know, I know firsthand. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I've like, I've definitely like stopped being formal with you. I'm just like, hey, what up? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and you know, it, and it's it's um, when you're interacting with press, like it, it's uh, the the thing that I've learned, kind of being on the other end on this with uppercut, kind of, as like the person who kind of liaisons with um with pr people and whatnot um it's it's just good to like have those constant back and forth like whether you're like you're mm -hmm. professional or informal or whatever just because you're you're putting a name and like probably a face like to um to you know the the companies and the games you know it's it's nice to kind of see them as human beings and yes um and whatnot so uh, but speaking of pr um you know, you were kind of talking about when you uh, in the beginning of this conversation of how people uh, might misunderstand um, some roles of community managers, or like maybe it, they maybe it's different depending on uh, what kind of studio you're um, working for. And so it sounds like you have kind of a few like public relations bullet points to your. Uh, your task list. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you can help out kind of um, differentiate community management and uh, being public relations, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's a little, I mean, I guess it's hard to 
necessarily differentiate the two because mine is so mashed up between it. Uh, but the way I see it is like community management more internally and public relations as more external. As in like, so community management is like you have the community and you're talking to them and you're working with them and they're already a part of your circle, your player base, basically, and you're trying to mitigate the two while public relations is more outward facing you're trying to like you're trying to get more people to join you maybe work in press relations which is very similar or like you know you're working with influencers and that kind of thing so then how did you kind of land like again this is like a technical practical question but how did like being the pr coordinator for uppercut uh Obviously, titles are very uh, malleable, I guess. So mm -hmm. I'm curious, like, you know, um, communications director, is that kind of like a like a common title? Is that something that just kind of like um, you feel that like encapsulates all like the, the, you know, the versatility of your job? Um, where, where did that title come from, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, so not, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie, is the title slightly inflated probably <laughs> or is it i don't know i'm the one communications person it could be whatever i want it to be <laughs> but right. uh so the thing is is that with my job i actually do because i go to a lot of events and stuff and also i work with so many like different people is that i've actually ended up kind of doing a lot of business development for kit fox as well like tanya still mainly does business development way better than me at it i think um, but i'll like help out or i'll deal with uh some of those things and also because i'm usually the one who gives advice on ways things should be uh, communicated and framed that it made sense to call me communications director because I was I had my hand in so many pies. But also, <laughs> we discovered, unfortunately, that when Tanya, like, let's say, because she wanted me to do more business development and she believed that I could do it, when she would be like, "Oh, let me let you talk to our community manager of Victoria," people would be like, "Oh, the community manager don't want to talk to her because they thought I was like." super low on this corporate ladder or whatever so we're like screw it fine my title is now communications director so i sound more important and you actually <laughs> take me seriously because you know it's like what i'm a small asian girl and they're like ah no she's she couldn't possibly be important i'm like dang you i'm gonna i'm gonna just change my title then <laughs> right yeah Oh man, yeah. I guess like my first question is, oh, communications director. So who who do you direct? <laughs> you know what, <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> oh, the formal Christopher. <laughs> oh yes, I've I've started using it. It's <laughs> really set back our professional relationship. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, no, but it, but it is one of those things. They, people don't take you seriously depending on your job title. So, right. yeah. Speaking of taking seriously, um, you tweet out a bunch of stuff. Let's say. Uh, yes, that is. That. <laughs> um, Twitter, you have a little more room uh, of, um, let's say, being a little more informal. Mm -hmm. uh, shit posting, I think, is what we were referring to as earlier. Yes. Uh, so I, I'm curious, do you have any, like, yeah, I, I don't, I assume there isn't, like, company guidelines on social media, but, like, you personally, 
um, as someone with that with that power? I mean, do you have any personal guidelines on, um, you know, what's where's the line here? <laughs> I guess you know we're talking about like we're, we're, we're again boyfriend dungeon as the example. Um, dating and thirst and weapons and mm -hmm. hotness and. Um, I, I still appreciate, I think like one of the first emails I ever got from you regarding Boyfriend Dudge, and I think it used the term, um, polyarmorous, which is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're really proud of that one, huh? I am. <laughs> Sorry, yes, mm, yeah, mm, serious, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so basically when it comes to how I run the Kitbox social media. I do get free reign on how I run it because they trust me not to do something stupid with it. <laughs> um, and also to be, and that I'm not a terrible person with terrible opinions, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. The thing is I still do, I do have my own guidelines. And one of the things that you always want to be aware of when you're on social media is to never, um, I guess, inflate or to always keep in mind what your game is. So for example, like Boyfriend Dungeon is very thirsty and it is about dating weapons, but it is <laughs> mm -hmm. safe for work. Like it's gonna have a T for teen rating. So I'm not actually going to be like posting hardcore, like sexual things about it. Uh, <laughs> like I, I can make jokes about it, like kind of like hint at it, but I'm never actually like, you know, say something that's, super terrible on the official Kit Fox account. So for example, like 2020, there was like a meme going around where like it was like ASCII, like 2020 or whatever. And then it said 2020 um, smooching swords, let's say is what I tweeted on Kit Fox. And then I retweeted it on my personal account. And I said, what I actually wanted to tweet was <laughs> 2020 deep throating swords. <laughs> But that's super inappropriate. That is super not safe for work for a court, like a studio account, right? That's not what Boyfriend Dungeon is. So, so like that went on my personal account versus what it what went on the Kitbox account. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I am always keeping in mind, like, what are the action? Like, I have like set boundaries in my mind. Like, is this actually appropriate? Um, and also, is like, is this, uh, is this honestly like, I, I don't know, like, let's say relevant or topical or of interest to kind of the Kit Fox community because I can do a lot of like weird personal shit posting but I I do have kind of in my mind a split between what goes on Kit Fox and what goes on my account let's say sure yeah and I yeah, I, I am pro horny on main, uh, <laughs> very much so, even though I'm not so much myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm curious, like, again, talking about you as, like, kind of a public-facing uh, figure, I mean, mm -hmm. um, even if it's from your personal account, like, it, it, do you feel like that kind of reflects on on the brand, on the company, um, when, you, when you say dethroning swords? <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm chastising you, again, pro horny on yes. main here. Thank you, thank you. Um... I think it, it slightly, it definitely does for sure, especially again, because Kit Fox is such a small studio. There's no way that I think you can separate the people from the studio. But even when, so for like that thing, like I think it's okay to be like slightly more edgy on your personal account, but I like, it's still, I'm very aware that I have a lot of, mm, not a lot of influence, but <laughs> that what I say matters in terms of how people will view Kit Fox. So things like that, like, 
totally fine. Like, I don't think like me saying deep throat a sword <laughs> is is necessarily problematic. But that being said, it's like it's it's kind of like how you would normally be aware of what you post on social media for work, right? Like, I'm not going to start posting. I mean, I'm not someone who parties, but like, let's say I was a huge partier and I did drugs, which I don't. <laughs> And that doesn't sound Disclaimer. suspicious at all yeah. now that I've said it. Uh, like, I'm not actually going to like You said it on a post- podcast, so it must be true. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm not going to post that on my personal account because it does feel like it would reflect on uh, the studio. Especially when my role is, like, quotation mark communications director, I feel like I should know how to communicate on social media. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I guess in terms of kind of representing the company and representing the brand, um, hey, remember conventions? What? <laughs> what conventions? Nani? <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're, we are recording this in the midst of the COVID nineteen uh, epidemic. But uh, the last time we saw each other was at PAX East twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, what is kind of what is the role the role of uh, community managers and you know equivalent people with that sort of role? Uh, mm-hmm. What what would you say is kind of your agenda? you know, when you're on the floor um, or not even when you're on the floor, but even before that, when you're, when you're planning. Uh, for right. Those yeah. So I do have the role of events manager person, whatever as well at Kit Fox. And usually there's a more dedicated person to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But for me specifically for events, it's like one, um, obviously submitting all the things for all the deadlines in terms of the events, like applying for things, paying the invoices, um, making sure we have all the necessary equipment and that the uh, game is working and testing it on our systems and booking travel and booking press appointments and making sure that everyone has a shift schedule because give your developers shifts, then they go hungry and thirsty and by like day two, they're burned out already. Yeah, so even like before events, it's a lot of planning and obviously a lot of money in order to invest into going into events. And for me, while I'm at events, it's a little bit different, I think, for a lot of people because I, as you've mentioned, I end up doing a lot of panels. Uh, So I'm usually like running back and forth between my booth, press appointments, business meetings, and panels. But normally, like otherwise, I'd be making sure everyone's taking their breaks, making sure everyone's fine, obviously pitching our games on the show floor. And so much of events is just pitching your game to hundreds of people and saying the same like two second, five, ten second pitch, let's say, uh, to different people. And basically just trying to spread the word about your game, but also getting to know other developers and actually getting to meet your fans and person because game development can be such a lonely process honestly like you're stuck staring at the screen for hours and you have your team but like you know at one point when you've worked on the same thing you you lose the like is this fun is this game actually good and then you see people play on the show floor and they like love it hopefully and you're like yes okay it like re-energizes you and that's kind of what events does for developers i think right yeah you know i you know putting a a face to the Twitter handle, I think, is mm-hmm. always nice. Um, for sure. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, uh, social media is obviously very important for networking, but doing it in person is just a whole other beast. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, again, at the time of this recording, a bit sad that uh, the opportunities for that is um, kind of in the abyss right now. But mm-hmm. we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see indeed. Yeah, 
Victoria, I think we are almost reaching an hour here, so let's uh, try to wrap this up, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to give a shout-out uh, to this piece in The Verge uh, by Jay Costello, um, why community managers are a crucial connection between players and developers, and I believe uh, one Victoria Tran is a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is featured in this uh in this feature <laughs> wow that's me yeah, amazing uh i will put that link in the show notes um otherwise victoria where can people find you and kit fox on social media yeah so you can find the both of us on twitter uh at kit fox games or you can find me personally at the v tran that's t-h-e-v-t-r-a-n Awesome. And are there any plugs, any project plugs that I might have missed? Um, I mentioned some games, but anything you you said you said something here about a local game devs of color thing in Montreal. Oh yeah. Well, I mean that's mainly <laughs> based in Montreal, but I do as well as doing um, some speaking gigs. I uh, try to co-organize this uh, local game devs of color meetup in Montreal because uh, I think uh, one of the things that we can all do as an industry is to support each other so if you're in montreal i don't know and you're game dev of color hit me up <laughs> absolutely yeah they know how to reach you now uh and of course uh this being part of the uppercut uh empire of podcasts let's say uh, i'm going to thank all of our patreon producers which includes admiral mapping adept 7777 aral williams andrea renee andrew rivera Andrew Sherman, Barrett Courtney, Chris Nelson, Colton Crow, DJ Kento, Eli Bergmoss, Eric Jin, Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Ginny Wu, Jared Shu, Hobby Gwaltney, Jesse Peterson, Jesse Fatelli, Cam Connect, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Matthew Flowers, Michael Diaz-Sorez, Mikey Phillips, Numer Osman El Amin, uh, optional objectives: Philip Villar, Quentin Hoffman, Sean Martin, and Tyler McCall. Uh, again, you can follow me at Compenderizer. You can follow Uppercut on Twitter at Uppercut Crit. And we'll be back soon, and we'll keep the conversation going. Thanks Ooh. again, Victoria. Thank you. Thank you.